You are now listening to the Living Numbers and Tony Rambles. Tony Rambles. Tony Rambles. 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 And the Living Numbers Podcast. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to actually. Uh, my uh, apologies for the background, but uh, I'm still at work. I just happened to have a, a break in the middle of my experiment. And, Ooh, uh, experiment. Okay, what kind of experiment? You can't just throw out the word experiment <laughs> and then just gloss over that. We need to know. Uh, I work for two businesses. So one is my own, and the other business, uh, which is medical DNA testing. This is normally what I market or what Angel would have marketed to you. And the other one is that I'm also part owner is a test uh, company that develops a specific platform. And right now we're trying to build, use that platform to build another COVID-19 test as if there wasn't enough. But the goal here is to make it very rapid and um, something that is actually portable so that people could do it at their privacy of, of their own home. Here's like a little prototype. This is just a skeleton. We already have a, um, we already have a like a shelf for it, and and there's, I mean, again, this is just a prototype. This is a little chip. It goes in there. Your sample goes on top. Boom, you get a reading. And these chips will be like glucose strips, so that they'll be cheap, and you just like, you can now test yourself anytime you want. Man, that. Uh, man, I don't know what to say. Like, <laughs> that, that is awesome that, I mean, we still have people working on this stuff because like COVID is not gone. Like it's still here. It's still relevant. There still needs to be people researching and working. So that, is that kind of your, your day-to-day job or like how, how are the two, you know, separate or different? So it is. It is uh, a lot of this I do daily and a lot of research and study is all revolving around COVID. So I have pivoted from not just the medical DNA testing, which is my main background and my main baby. That's where my heart is. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. because of the pandemic, of course, I switched to to COVID-19. I have my YouTube channel under my Merogenomics, which is a DNA testing company heavily focuses on on the vaccines and COVID but one of the reasons why I'm also deeply personally interested in in this area is because of the fact that I'm hoping that the vaccines that are being currently used uh, genetic vaccines the mRNA ones that's a brand new technology so I'm hoping that once we actually figure out how to use it perfectly I don't think we're there yet because it's brand new but once we know right. that we will be able to use it to treat human diseases, genetic diseases one day, because um, you are modulating or basically manipulating how genes are being used. In this case, uh-huh. by introduction of a gene that is foreign to you, it doesn't exist in your body. We're introducing a gene that it comes from a virus, hence it acts as a vaccine. But we could use the same technology to introduce RNA transcripts that we already produce in our body. But if you are producing right. ones that are broken, then you can see how this vehicle that we're using to add mRNA into our body, yeah. we could be adding mRNA that is not broken and maybe fix a disease. So I'm very, like very interested. Swapping in them stuff. out. Exactly. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or um, enhancing it because you wouldn't be able to eliminate what's already in you that's broken, but by pumping that good ones that's not broken via this vehicle same system as what we're using for vaccine then we'd be hoping that the good stuff would overcome 
the outcome of the bad stuff. So that's kind of like what I fantasize about that we can kind of like, a, like a brace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and, fi- and fix problems. And for some, I would imagine that for some diseases, it will definitely work. But there's still details to to figure it out. Like, how do you get it to the t- tissue uh, you desire, right? There's, but there's many different tricks. Scientists. There's a lot. The science, yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, and and science never stops. It's continuously growing, right? So we yeah, I was trying to, to find the the best way, and then a new technology, and then there's a new best way. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're. I mean, you're jumping way into it already so we might as well just go ahead and get started i can introduce you uh gans and charlie man they really pumped you up they said you're awesome man so so i'm expecting great things i'm sure we'll have fun uh usually i get great questions uh especially from people who don't know much about it they ask brilliant questions because they think outside the box so i i'm absolutely certain we're gonna have a good time for sure (laughs) <laughs> all right. All right. Here we go. Here we go. I'm excited, man. I was a little, uh, well, you know what? I'll save that. I'll save that. All right. Here we go. Here we go. This is the Living Numbers Podcast, and I am your host, Tony Rambles. Thank you all for watching, for tuning in, no matter where it is Spotify, Apple, Breaker, Google, YouTube, wherever you may be listening. Thank you for making me and my wonderful guest here a part of your day. Now, before we get into the episode, y'all know what time it is. We got to do some housekeeping. Make sure you follow me on TikTok and on Instagram at underscore Tony Rambles underscore. You can email the show one Tony Rambles at gmail.com. Also rate and review, follow, like, download, all of that great stuff. Okay. No matter where you are and no matter where you're listening. Or watching if you're on YouTube. Hey, comments. Put some comments in on YouTube. We got a great doctor here. We'll have more guests. Okay, what do you guys want to know? What do you want to hear? Okay, now, you all know. Every time we have someone on that's new, we got to do an intro. So, the good doctor here, and I'm not going to say his name yet until we finish. So, maybe I'll say it right. All right, here we go. He has received. His doctorate, his doctorate in biochemistry from the University of Alberta, the founder of Merrill Genomics, Inc., specializing in DNA sequencing. He's a leader in genetic testing and first in Western Canada to do so. He's a COVID researcher. He's posted many updates on various perspectives and aspects of COVID. We'll talk later on that. He loves hiking, the Edmonton Oilers, cosplay makeup, go-karts, jokes. He's very funny from what I've seen. And coffee. His desire is to bring access to DNA testing for health purposes to the masses. I present the incomparable Dr. Makola Rachek. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And yes, you pronounced the name correctly. Right on. Congratulations. Yes. <laughs> I'm a speech teacher. So I feel like I should be able to, when I come to these names that are, I guess I can say not American names. Okay. How good am I going to be with the pronunciation? <laughs> yeah. You passed with flying colors on that one. 
right on. <laughs> so for the people who have seen episode 43 and 42, uh, Dr. Rachek is a, a colleague of Dr. Gans and also our senior, senior financial advisor, T. Charlie Fatale. You can go check out those episodes. And they're all working together on a, a project called Money Mind DNA. And so we have the DNA on now. We had the money, we had the mind, and so now we got the DNA. All right, we're going to talk about Money Mind DNA in a second. However, we have to get to our first number. Now, because I, I have a, a DNA specialist on here, I had to try to find some things that are like, what would somebody who has this kind of experience, this kind of expertise and background, what are some things that I can ask him that maybe he's never been asked before that the people want to hear about, right? We got to make it plain, right? So everybody understands. Our first number is 46. Would you have a guess on what that, uh, what that number means? No, no. All you right. got me thinking about episodes first. I'm like, what, where, right. now, where is this leading? So... Oh, unless you're talking it. about number of chromosomes. There you go. Yes. <laughs> 46. 23 for mom, 23 from dad. I'm using genetics to get to where we want to go. So here you go. How did you come to be a DNA scientist? So where did that start? You know, from family or from background? How did this come to be? How did you get to now where, to where you're studying COVID? You're, I mean, you're doing all kinds of great stuff. So start, take us from the beginning. Okay, so prior to my doctorate degree in biochemistry, I actually have a degree in genetics. So mm -hmm. I was always interested in genetics. This is definitely a passion of a long time. But it was during my biochemistry PhD that the newest technology came out called next generation sequencing that finally allowed human genomes to be decoded meaning looking at your own genome, i.e. your program code that determines how you exist and how you came to be. Mm -hmm. And I instantly was just fascinated by that. I understood it implicitly at the time that it will revolutionize medicine and it has and it continues to and will continue to do so for years to come. And instantly I was into it. At the same time, I was working with mutagenesis or the concept of altering DNA as part of my doctorate degree, because my degree was tied to immunology. So now you can also link it to COVID-19 and, and immune system mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at how could I mutate the key enzyme responsible in, activate, in the activation of your immune system? How could you mutate it so we could understand how different chemical compounds that interact with it could be perfected to interact with it even better? So I was already playing with DNA mutation of, of DNA, DNA coding for that particular enzyme. And when that technology came out, I was immediately aware of it. And I recognized this is definitely the future. Eventually, you have to align certain path for yourself and yes. for to build your career. And I wanted this to go back to my roots, my original degree, genetics. I'm glad I did biochemistry as well, because it enhanced my ability to understand science, read science. And that's all I do. Yes. I, I don't read books. I read science papers and I find mm. them fascinating and exciting and thrilling. So like research. Mm -hmm. That's right. 
Uh, and that that comes across in my videos on my YouTube channel. They're all based on scientific publications, but my goal is to mm-hmm. take what I read, which is not necessarily accessible to many people, <laughs> and break it down to to plain language because I, I yeah. think science is fascinating, and happily um, discovering that so do many of the layman audience. They find it also oh, fascinating. Yeah. It just has to be Absolutely. presented in a language that that is digestible. Yes, that we understand where you go, huh? What? Have you always been uh, into science? Like as a kid, were you, was science class always your favorite or was it always like that or no? No, not at all. I'm a, <laughs> I, my background is an artist. So I, as a child, um, I was quite gifted with painting and I'm really good at painting or drawing. That's definitely, you had to list some talents. Drawing is, is my forte. I can I can whip out a portrait and so on. So I actually, <laughs> I went to art school, high school. And it was oh, in my high school that I was like, you know what? What am I doing with my life? I will never oh, make man. any money as an artist. I'm switching to sciences. I was enjoying it enough. You robbed like, us of the art. <laughs> you still, do you still draw and paint? Do you still do any art? I occasionally I do, but it comes at a pace of maybe one drawing a year. But when I do, it's like, oh, it feels so good, right? It feels like, yeah, that, that felt good to bust that out. And over the years, I've perfected my own style of drawing just for fun. So when I draw these days, instead of shading with a pencil, I draw uh-huh. loops or squiggles to create uh, shadows. So some, so mimicking very organic um, lines. So I, yeah, I occasionally do. And I still focus on portraits or or full body figures because uh, yeah that's huge that was really my forte and that's amazing i mean that you could be so gifted in both art and science as well and you can kind of just pick like oh you know what i think i feel a portrait coming on (laughs) (laughs) and then you create this entire new way to to do it and then you go well you know what i think i kind of still want to work on some uh, creating a new COVID test, which is what you are doing currently. Y'all are doing research. We talked about it, obviously, before uh, before I did the whole introduction and whatnot. But like our second number is 42 because you have 42 updates, as I looked earlier today, on your YouTube page. 42 yeah. COVID updates. So... What urged you to jump into like COVID research, you know, feet first? I know you there's a, a story about a friend who passed away and all of that kind of stuff. So how did that come about? What that pushed you to continue? And then like two years in, you're still doing it. Well, obviously, we're living through a pandemic and pandemics. Uh, I was aware about pandemics. I was aware of uh, the possibility that eventually we're going to be hit by the big one which by the way this is not it this is not the dangerous oh no this is not the big one it's not the big one because it's not that deadly so um we we honestly dodged a bullet there with what it could have been how dangerous or how bad it could have been and um and at the same time the ushering of new technology mrna technologies that's very close to my heart because we go from DNA to mRNA to the protein. Proteins are like the little molecular robots. mRNA is the blueprint to produce the protein. DNA is the filing cabinet to produce the mRNA, the blueprint, right? So 
that hence okay. this is completely okay. aligned to my field of genetics and interest in, in the in that technology and um, of course the pandemic affected everyone's life and and it really had an impact on everyone uh, some negative impact on everyone's life especially for work and I had to pivot to some degree. It wasn't that easy to try to sell yeah. full genomes in the midst of pandemic, but this right. topic was still very interesting to me. And I do have a background in virology to some degree because after my doctorate degree, I did some postdoctorate studies that mm. involved study of agricultural um, animal genomics. And mm -hmm. one interplay that we were looking at and I was interested in is potentially see how viruses can uh, affect the uh, health of animals. So right. I got to study uh, about vaccines a lot, about the, uh, back then vaccines using, used in animals, which is the majority of vaccines produced in the world. And then also yeah. how viruses might be interplaying with that. So, you know, so there's you a lot like of a pieces of information foundation. coming together here. Yeah. So you already had like a foundation of, you know, vaccines and, and, yeah, but different... came in there, virology came in there, immunology is yeah. my PhD, right? And then uh, mRNA technology, that's part of my genetics. All of these are different segments that I already looked into study here and there. And right now, it's just a lot of focus on, on, on this particular information. And it's such a, I guess, confusing topic still, because there's so many mm. different pieces of information coming from different sources and what yeah. I find and my niche is that I'm trying to discuss actual science paper. I present these science papers. I show the science paper so that the audience can literally see what, I'm, what it is that I'm talking about in a given video. But then I'm, my goal is always to give it to you in a language that hopefully if I do a good, good job, you will understand what I'm talking about, where right. I'm coming from and what it all means. So what made you um, like, how did you get to like, okay, I guess I got to, I guess I want to do a YouTube channel and I want to start to do these breakdowns. How did you get from, okay, I got to pivot. And I think this COVID thing is something that I really want to study to going, oh, like this is a lot of great stuff. And being to, you know, people need this information to get into YouTube. How did that <laughs> transition happen? I started the YouTube channel about DNA testing, right? But no one is looking at the DNA testing. There, <laughs> there is a trickle of viewers. And when I started doing information about COVID, which is just for general education, it, the numbers just skyrocket, skyrocket. Mm -hmm. So the YouTube channel took off. It has a huge number of followers right now, which is fantastic. Yeah because it gives me much greater audience to enjoy the science I want to talk about and teach about. Right. And it's, um, yeah, it's, the interest was much greater, which is too bad because of my real heart and passion is in medical DNA testing, which is right. still deeply underappreciated in our population. What a powerful technology and resource it is that frequently is not available to people through your typical healthcare services at least not the technology that we bring to the table because you know how it is technology is always more advanced than what you're going to get at that in in exactly. healthcare services so like what is what's one of those things uh about dna that you wanted people to know but like you said like you weren't getting the same kind of traction when you were doing the dna mm -hmm. kind of video 
Well, you know, where I'm really focusing on right now to actually send this message across is, and where I, I personally think how genetic testing might truly now revolutionize and, and benefit our society on a very broad scale is through a simple DNA test called pharmacogenetic DNA test. So that's a test where you can allow how the medications you take might be responding based on your personal genetics. Mm-hmm. And that test exists. It's very well validated and um, hugely beneficial to those who take uh, medications. They're, not all medications, of course, in the world are validated. Maybe about 300 medications are properly validated to how they can be linked to your genetics. The way wow. and how it can be very useful is because right now when a doctor prescribes you a medication, it's a random mm-hmm. shot whether how effective it will be on you that what is prescribed to you is based on historical averages of what works best on average but where whether you are that average or not well it's totally dependent on your your genetics so you might be the average but you might be fast metabolizer and that means the drug that was given to you will be used up way faster than it can act or if you're a poor metabolizer it will be in your system for so long that then you run the risk of maybe experiencing some toxic side effects. So that's where this can be very, um, very useful. But especially why now is because clearly we just going through pandemic. The pandemic clearly had a huge negative mental health impact on our society. We're going through actually mental health crisis right now. And how is that tied to pharmacogenetic testing is because the largest medical specialty most represented in terms of which drugs can we link to your personal genetics are the ones involved in mental health treatment. And on top of that, those who are in that, in that space and need to take these type of medications already know that if you take medications for mental health treatment, you run the highest risk of possibility that you might have to switch from one medication to another because the first one you'll try might not work for you. And this is why genetic testing could be so useful because you might reduce that unnecessary trial and error because you might find out based on your genetics, hey, you should even take this medication in the first place because it will be toxic to you. Or the one you take maybe would have been good to you, but you took the wrong dose. So you can really eliminate some of these unnecessary and painful trial and errors. So that's just mental health. And there's, of course, oncologies represented there, uh, cardiovascular diseases, infectious diseases. Pharmacogenic test covers a whole wide gamut of different medications. Mm, go check out our website. We do have a, in our store, we, we link a video or you can go to the YouTube channel. We have a video that mm-hmm. very rapidly scrolls all the medications that are currently mm-hmm. validated and linked to personal genetics. If you are on that medication, you should highly consider taking the test. So once someone gets the DNA test, like what will be the next step? So it depends what the DNA test is. Of course, we just talked about pharmacogenetic test tests, but mm-hmm. there are other forms of tests you could be doing. You can screen yourself. So you and I, we're presumed healthy individuals. We look healthy. We don't have any symptoms of disease and so on, but we can screen ourselves, for example, right, to see. Is there anything lurking in our genetics that could be predisposing us to any potential health risks in the future? And mm-hmm. once you know that, then you can be proactive about that. And luckily right. for us, 
the most common problems that are identified in such presumed healthy individuals like you and I are problems that oftentimes there actually is an intervention available to you. So like what, what's the most common? Most common intervention actually is surveillance. Sounds boring, but this is very, very (laughs) practical for cancer. If you have cancer predisposition, uh, genetic risk, surveillance is very key. So you increase um, how frequently you check yourself for cancer development so that you can catch that cancer. If it materializes, it does. It's not a never guarantee to catch it as early as possible because we all know that the later the stage of cancer development that you discover it at, the more difficult it is to treat. And the, right. and the I mean, sad to say, the less likelihood of person's survival uh, from, from such cancer. So then, and approximately 10% of all cancers, of all cancer patients, they have, they were born with genetic predisposition to, um, to cancer development. So then, you know, many, many of us are walking around with, genetic cancer predisposition without being aware. Right. So what is the one test that you would suggest like a regular person, a teacher like myself uh, could go and do that would help me uh, find these things out and then be able to be preventive in my care? Well, the best test I would always say is full genome, meaning you decode all of your DNA. Why? Because then you only need to do one test in your lifetime. That's it, because your genome is your entirety of your DNA. Then once you decode that DNA, you're done. You never have to do another genetic test in your lifetime. What you would have to do. How long does that take? You would have to wait a few weeks. However, full genome is very expensive. It costs several thousand dollars, but that's your entire program code, right? Right. If you wanted to do this um, when the technology just came out, when we were talking about earlier how I got into this, it would have cost you several million dollars. So the price drop dramatically but it's still expensive it's not going to be for everyone for sure that's why if if it's not in an individual's price range that's why i would say relapse to the pharmacogenetic test because we're all going to end up taking medication medications at some point in our lifetime very few people can can dodge that right because we all eventually age and as we age things well start stop working properly and so on yeah and we have to start fixing things through medications yeah. and other interventions. Of course, if you want to diminish that likelihood, then we all know, lead as healthy lifestyle as you possibly can. Can't, right? We all know By that. doing what? By doing what? Mm, well, obviously exercise regularly, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it doesn't take much. So it doesn't have to be like, go to the gym and pop iron, right? Exercise doesn't have to be like that, right? Even if you take stairs instead of elevator, provide that, that your physiology allows you to do that, right? And if you Absolutely. walk uh, rather than take a car, if it's a short distance, but um, also diet, hugely important. So learn what is the best quality diet. Avoid, avoid junk food, right? Stop smoking. Everyone, everyone knows that, though, right? These, these, this is common knowledge. The, the bigger uh-huh. issue is, is um, the discipline for all of us. Yes, all yes, of us, yes, myself absolutely. included. I'm very brainwashed because I'm a scientist. So I've been <laughs> encountering scientific literature against what happens if you, don't, if you don't follow this type of lifestyle, what are the potential negative outcomes to your physiology? So I'm very brainwashed. Yeah. And so I try to but exercise, the- eat well and so on. But I, 
put a bag of chips in front of me and my discipline is gone out the window. You know? <laughs> that was going to be my question. Like, okay, are you always having this like tug of war in your mind of like, man, I really want to eat, you know, the ice cream, but I know that it's going to do this or whatever that is like, okay, so what's, what's your favorite? Like, let's have some fun here. Like what's your favorite thing to eat so, that you shouldn't? It's uh, well, I mean, yeah. So yes, I, it totally is there. Right. So I try to be a nibbler <laughs> as opposed to have okay. instead of having full dessert, you just have a fraction and you share that whole thing, right? Which is enough. Uh, also, you'd be surprised how little your body needs in order to function effectively and be able to right. take out all of the energy out of the fuel that goes into your body. I tr- definitely try to minimize um, sugar intake. Mm-hmm. In general, that's that's a standard rule of mine. It's very difficult, by the way. So, don't don't you know don't punish yourself no, how if you do you're it? not succeeding, because <laughs> um, sugar isn't everything, right? And so, but that means you do need to check labels and mm-hmm. see. The higher the sugar is on the list, that means the more off that particular component is in whatever product you're purchasing. One mm-hmm. one rule of thumb I have though is fruits are unlimited. Yes, they have sugar, but that's unlimited for me because they come with so much other nutrition. And in general, as a society, we usually tend not to eat enough vegetables and fruits in general anyway. And those are very healthy for you. So so that yeah, one is I'm, like, you know, if I have my vegetables. you know, midnight munchies, uh, then I'm like, okay, uh-huh. fruits, banana, whatever. Maybe that, that's ah. not good either, right? But but fruits is is I that's where I allow myself to go as as much as I want. And I still probably don't eat enough fruits in general. My general rule of thumb, like when I talk to people, because I'm, I can't say that I've done like a ton of research, right? I've done a little bit and I've I've tried different things. Uh, I've never been a fad diet kind of person, but I do know that you do got to kind of try to make some changes to make, to have a healthy lifestyle And I'm always trying to think, okay, the changes have to be a lifestyle change. Don't just start doing something just because, oh, this is the new thing. So I'm always kind of thinking, and this is my, like uh, my foundation, right? So if I'm meat, fruit, vegetables, if I could just kind of stay with those three things and kind of keep everything else to a minimum, I should be fine. So is that thinking, is that thinking in the right direction or am I a little off base anywhere? maybe a little bit off base because you do need a proper variety so you do want to make sure you get some of your starches as well to some degree and you Mm want to make sure you have your nuts as well that's another problem where we in general as a a society we don't have enough intake of that meats you want to reduce that especially eliminate um, processed meats so and in general we eat too much meat as a society which has its own consequences meat some that meat right. is unhealthy it's the quantity of it is a, is an issue so um, meat obviously comes with its own um, issues sources of, of nutrition right right so, right right um, fiber is really important as well um, fiber is also going to be good for um, muting the effect of of all the sugar that that might be in everything we eat as well 
because sugar is is um especially now when we're dealing with pandemic right we do want to be careful with it because sugar is not good for your immune system it's pro-inflammatory in its in its function and mm. recently because i talk a lot about sugar in in my videos i've I found, it took me a while but i finally introduced the topic that um in molecular biology almost everything is covered in sugar <laughs> the reason why is because oh, sugar great. is one of these <laughs> i know like I, I even joke that if you could have like a a microscope that could show you where where there's microscopic levels of sugar then everything would be covered in sugar the reason why is because bacteria cover every single surface you can imagine and yeah. sugar will be on top of bacteria it's it's one of those elemental mo molecules that they can be pieced together like pieces of Lego together so you can build really cool structures with sugar. And it's used in molecular biology a lot. So that means there's sugar everywhere. And there, I get a lot of questions about sugar these days. And, and as a consequence, I'm learning a lot more about, about that to be right. able to answer more of these questions. But one concept that I came across recently, which I have to verify, but apparently the, the intake of sugar has a compounding mm -hmm. effect on how it accumulates inside your body. Because when you have sugar on top of proteins or on top of your cells, which is absolutely normal, by the way, they can grow over time in these, in these branches. And the wow. more sugar you might intake over your lifetime, the, the more of that can grow. So I was actually fascinated about that, but I do need to learn, learn more about that and confirm that because I was like, well, I didn't even uh -oh, know about like that. The sugar's growing in my body. There's a tree of sugar yeah. in my body just creating more branches every time I eat ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly like that, exact, sort of like that. Um, but remember, sugar isn't everything, right? So it's, uh, it's, it is a very elemental molecule. It's, and everything comes to balance. So sugar, we need it. It's an energy source right? Mm -hmm. But it's how much you have. So it's the right. same thing like um, in, in the pandemic right now, those who have severe COVID-19, the reason why they experience this, these severe outcomes is because they experience what is referred to as cytokine storm. So they have too much inflammation. So right. proper amount of inflammation is good because it protects you against um, pathogen's ability to multiply itself once it okay. has infected okay. you. But if you have too much, it can go the other way around. So everything is about proper balance. So right. clearly you need sugar because sugar is a fuel and a very yeah. powerful, powerful fuel. Your mitochondria can, can break down and create literally like think of tiny miniature batteries that can then be used throughout yeah. your body for all the little functions. But if you have too much of it, then there's also negative outcomes. I always say minimize it as much as you can. Okay. In 1997, there was this movie that came out. And I really like this movie. It's called Gattaca. Have you ever seen it? Mm -hmm. Long time ago, so I don't remember the plot, but I enjoyed it back then. So I, I pulled up the plot just in case so this um this kid well everybody is uh, genetically basically created right and if you have natural children they're basically um ostracized right they're discriminated against 
because they don't have the the perfect gene makeup. And so I thought of that movie when I thought of like genetics. And so like this one, Ethan Hawke is the main actor and he kind of takes his brother's place because he gets injured somehow. And so I say all that to say like, what, (laughs) what movies or movie and you're smiling. I, I think you've gotten some kind of questions like this, get close to, believable things that could happen with dna like things that could that's like when you watch it you go that's not too far off like can you name a movie or 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 two that do things that could be pretty close i you know what unfortunately i won't be able to because i never memorize movies never memorize titles to a point where i can rewatch the same movie and not even (laughs) realize i've seen it um, but yeah, you, you get a bit of both. Uh, and oftentimes, mm-hmm. yeah, information is stretched for obviously the purpose of, uh, Entertainment. of um, making the plot go easier, I suppose. But for example, Gattaca, is that feasible? Not at the moment at all. However, we have already attempted to manipulate our human genome, i.e. designer babies that happened in China, 2018, followed by a very worldwide condemnation of that. We're talking about where fertilized egg was taken and genetically manipulated to uh-huh. basically create a new human being. And then it was implanted in a woman that gave birth to live children that were genetically modified or manipulated in, the, in this fashion like that. So wow. we are clearly pushing boundaries to eventually achieve um, manipulation of our genomes and i do believe how does, this that, will how does that happen how does that work so in this case they use technology called crispr it's a this technology actually stems from bacteria it's a you know how we have our own immune system well it's think of it like mm-hmm. crispr is bacteria's immune system so that when viruses invaded because viruses invade cells and hijack cells in order to force the cell to replicate viral genomes and so that more virus particles can be produced. Well, bacteria will try to fight that and they have a system that they will recognize um, viral genome and they will cut it up. So then the virus becomes, well, it's destroyed. And we can use that same system to allow us to manipulate genes wherever we want. So that's why CRISPR has revolutionized revolutionized mm, genetics in how we can manipulate it so that's the system mm-hmm. that was used at the time that's what we would Are those be kids still alive like no one knows we... no one knows anything about them and most likely they're alive because uh, the type of alteration that was done inside those particular mm, fertilized eggs or those embryos was um was ones that um, already found naturally in a human population. So they were attempting to mimic that. And the idea behind that was to prevent those children or this, these, the, um, these people to be able to be infected by HIV in the future. Because we noticed that certain people have reduced likelihood of infection by HIV because they have the specific mutations in one of their genes. That's what they were duplicating it. But it's, it's 
unethical because it's not necessary. There are other ways right. to prevent HIV infection apart from manipulating with your genome. And the reason why it's unethical is because CRISPR is still not a perfected technology. While we can target it to a specific site, we do know that it can also go somewhere else and, and yeah. do other, other change, make changes in other areas of your right. DNA where we don't want it to. So that's one possible problem uh, with, with use of this technology. Too early. I, I actually never thought I would see this in my lifetime. So now I was just shocked when, when, when I saw this. But I do think we will actually change, make changes to our genome in the future. I do think we'll cross that barrier because I don't think humanity has ever... Mm, we can't help ourselves. We exactly. We, we never... We never stopped ourselves uh, because of ethical barriers. We have already breached every single layer of ethics possible, right? We did, we did crazy things already. This is probably another crazy thing we'll do one day where we'll start tampering with our genomes. Right. Some of it, you might think, might be for good purposes. So I'll give you one example. Sure. But potentially, we could be dramatically reducing aging because aging is pre-programmed in our genome. There's a, there's a mechanism taking place that force, force our bodies to age. So we could potentially dramatically reduce aging or maybe let's fantasize big, maybe completely eliminate it, right? So Whoa. there's one, one thing. Uh, cancer would be another one. So um, very large animals like whales or, or uh, elephants, they, they don't have cancer. And the reason why they don't have cancer is because they're, they machinery that it, that they have that is involved in duplicating their genetic material is mm -hmm. just like perfect ours is not um, wow. the advantage that they have is they don't have cancer but they don't have the same genetic diversity as the population that we do our machinery is not as perfect as theirs why would they their theirs have to be so perfect is because whales are the largest animals that ever lived on this planet ever so then imagine how many cell divisions have to take place in order to produce a whale from a single one cell uh -huh. when it's like trillions it's like upon trillions right of cells and if you were if you were to potentially introduce a mistake every single time you duplicate the genome which kind of can happen with us then they'd be getting cancer right away in their in like yeah. their childhood right for us we our system is not perfect but typically, unless you're born with a disposition to cancer, typically we as individuals don't get cancer till very late stages of our life, partially uh -huh. because we accumulate mutations when our cells have been dividing over our lifespan. Because the system that copies genetics from one cell to another is not perfect. Yeah. So then, oops, here's one mutation. Over, oh, here's another mutation. Here's another. And eventually you could have an unlucky unfortunate combo of mutations that break the, the the cell's ability to be controlled properly and will divide uncontrollably boom there's your cancer wow so, so we could potentially remove that we could remove our, our ability to ever grow and develop cancer amazing. technically we could eradicate that if we knew how to properly manipulate with our genomes should we ever do it well i would say no because Man. Our genomes are so complicated that um, until unless we understand how our genome functions absolutely from every single possible angle, then there is always going to be unintended consequences when you're right. manipulating with our genetics. Absolutely. I mean, and that's that's well said. So I think.
wow. I mean, you know, it's going to happen. You know, you know, eventually it's going to happen, but it takes yeah. like some restraint, right. To do the right thing. And so we need to have people with the, the knowledge, uh, obviously to be around, to help them make those kind of decisions. And you are somebody with a great wealth of knowledge. So when we get to the end of uh, most of our episodes, I have what's called my three what's. And I'll ask you three what questions. And then I want you to talk about money, mind, DNA before we get out of here. So the first one is, what's an opinion you have in your field that will be considered unpopular? Mm, Okay. Really unpopular um, is that vaccination has pushed the viral evolution right now. So we are unfortunately extended the pandemic length because of the vaccination. Why? Because we were not able to eradicate the virus out of the population with vaccination, but instead the amount of antibodies we produce, those antibodies is an attack source on the virus, but it was not able to overcome and eliminate the virus. Instead, it pushed the virus evolution. Very unpopular. So please don't judge because, (laughs) because yeah, no one wants to hear potentially that, something like that, right? Um, Because we all want a good thing come out of this right so basically the the virus has been pushed to the point of okay now i have to change now i have to get stronger we didn't kill it we just maimed it and now it's come back you know different yeah and that's why we have uh witnessed for the first time in in our biological history an emergence of immune escape variants so variants that that are now capable to escape majority of the antibodies that we produce as a consequence of taking vaccines just the virus mm-hmm. is like nope they're not even touching me because it has mutated yep. uh, in such way that these antibodies don't work against it and that's why everyone's getting infected now everyone so i mean that just that just opens up like a new <laughs> a new branch of questions so mm-hmm. would that where did would there need to be like another vaccine, a different vaccine, a new, like what will be our next step since the the virus continues to mutate? Yeah, at this point, I don't know. We need to restore the proper balance, um, which is um, we cannot have the same immune pressure on the virus. And what I'm especially worried is that now virus this virus as a consequence of how it has evolved very rapidly in the last year, it has become one of the most infectious viruses we know of right now. And because it's so incredibly infectious, it is now driving its own evolution because it's infecting so many people so rapidly. And all these people will instantly start producing antibodies and the same antibodies will now be antagonizing that same virus that stimulate those people to produce those antibodies. And these antibodies now will drive further evolution of that virus. So it's just now we're in this weird it's loop. cycle. It's a cycle. So um, what would need to happen is we would need to either alter the quantity of the virus or alter the quantity of antibodies, but not exactly sure how we could really uh, achieve that. So I'm just watching and 
trying to learn and discover because we're in completely new territory that we've never been before. Mm-hmm. We've never been in this situation. What we're witnessing right now with this virus and this wave after wave after wave of new variants in such a rapid succession, yeah, we've never been in that state, state before. That's, that's new, uh, new information, new information for future science books. Yeah. So let's get off of COVID. <laughs> let's take a right turn. If you weren't uh, doing what you do now, you know, with science and DNA sequencing and, and creating new COVID tests and all of the amazing and well-needed things that you're doing, what would you be doing? I think we kind of have our answer. I think you would be an artist, right? Uh, no, I would. Ooh, I come to, on now. <laughs> I mean, the reason why I chose to deviate from art and go somewhere else is because I, my thoughts was, hey, I can always keep an art as a hobby, but you rarely can keep mm, being a scientist as a hobby. You, sh- you still can, but it's not as easy as being an artist as a hobby. So right. if I had to maybe restart everything and look back, I probably would go into economics. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, the reason why is because it's uh, it's a field where you constantly also evolve or develop new financial instruments. And if yeah. you're really good at it, you can make just ridiculous amount of money on somewhere like the <laughs> street, like ridiculous. But you do have to know your stuff. So that's probably where yeah. I would be thinking. Very few people probably would out of pure interests think yeah economics yeah derivatives but if you actually did start studying that information very early in your life then already in your 20s or uh, 20s early 30s you could be a bona fide expert that makes a ridiculous amount of money so i think just different it's still being a researcher yeah it's still and and you still have to very few people understand understand financial world and economics and i'm not pretending that i do i'm just saying probably where i would think of going because i Mm -hmm. i like um, i like complex um, topics Uh, anyway i'm i'm constantly exposed to that in in science however having said that i do love molecular biology so (laughs) i'm not complaining by any means I just wanted okay. to make sure I answer your question uh, adequately. Oh, it is clear that all of the things that you're doing, you love it because this thing, these things are not easy. Like this is complex, deep things that need to be researched over and over by multiple people and cross-referenced and cross-checked. And if you don't love it, it'd be hard to stay in it. That's just me from the outside looking in. Um, so definitely we're we as a world are lucky to have such people to do the kind of research that many people are not dedicated or sometimes just even interested enough to, to do. So we all have our, our different areas of expertise and, you know, hopefully you're helping to service humanity and make the world a better place by the things that you research and the things that you do. So I am a high school teacher And I enjoy teaching high school students. So my last question here is what advice would you give to someone in high school? Hmm. Interesting. I I knew you were going to ask me a question I never heard before that is going to make me wonder. (laughs) 
Well, first of all, I I place teachers in a similar category to, like, say, nurses, meaning very prestigious category. So people who oh, directly influence our society for the better. So you, you being a teacher, you influence future generations. So one, one aspect that I would, for example, want to see from someone like yourself is to be able to um, inspire children as my, and mm. enhance their joy uh, of, uh, of um, discovering the world. How one can do that? Mm, not sure, but the only way I could imagine <laughs> is to probably be a little bit silly and goofy and, and a lot of playfulness because I think school, unfortunately, is sometimes way too boring for children yes. because children are, well, they're, they're meant to play and they can right. learn ferociously through play. So I think Agreed. you are responsible for molding our future generations. It's a wonderful responsibility. Oh, I no pressure, fondly, no pressure. Fondly of many of my <laughs> teachers. You know, I wouldn't be who I am if there weren't seeds planted. It's not just my parents. No way. I obviously put a lot of credit to my parents for molding mm -hmm. me who they are. Absolutely. I had a very wonderful childhood. So thank you, mom, dad, for giving me that. But there's more than your parents. Teachers often act as parents. That's why I said right away, like teachers, nurses, firemen, doctors, those are people who dedicate their life to actually make the world a better place without actually yeah. seeing necessary immediately um, any reward oh, for that. The reward is, is going to be beyond your lifespan, right? So that's courage. So right on. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Have fun with I feel those like kids. It's basically like I have an important job kids. you do <laughs> of course you do like yeah okay before we leave uh talk money mind dna uh like i said before we've got the dna here we've got the scientists uh so talk about it when is it happening what is it about from from your end and then uh tell people where they can find you Absolutely. So three of us got together. We met together through presenting together at different events. And we all headed off uh, these three guys. And uh, you already mentioned one of them is a financial expert. The other one is a psychologist, um, the geneticist. And we thought about the concept. Look, we have so much strife and so much trauma going on right now. We all believe that each one of us, what we deliver to the world, we're there to actually help people. We, that's really the major motivation driving all of us. I would imagine it's the same thing for you as well. Yep. So this motivation to help, right? To make the world a better place. And then we thought, well, we all believe in that. And we, when we heard each other, we all acknowledge that we are all correct. But why don't we put all of our resources together as a package? So hence we call, a, I, at least I call it like a, holistic proactive well-being program holistic nice. because we 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 come from multiple different angles proactive because we want to teach you the different tricks of how to be proactive about your own well-being so that you don't have to react to a problem what can you do in order to stay at the best state of mind possible 
And uh, we offer this to business owners so that we can bring this to employees. And the reason why employees, right? It of course applies to everyone, but the reason why we're thinking of employees per se is because we think of the concept that happy person does the best work. And most yep. people, when they do good job, when they do it, perform certain work, if they're feeling good about themselves, they actually want to show off their talents and skills. They are, or I know I do. If I interact with a client, I do want to show off everything I've learned over, over the years. And I want to do my best. And, I, and we think that actually goes to majority of people, provided that they are in that proper state of mind. So we offer this to business owners as a package to bring to their employees. It's a six-week-long program where we teach the three of us. We alternate. Money goes first. Mental health goes second. I go last. So my, my aspect is physical well-being, but with a twist mm-hmm. of adding how we can use DNA mapping to help you right. achieve that well-being. So that's what that, that's all about. And uh, we have ongoing awesome. events where business owners can register. They're free. And uh, we have one coming up next week. You can find uh, about that on mm-hmm. moneymindDNA.ca. Very easy. MoneyMindDNA.ca. MoneyMindDNA.ca. Now, mm-hmm. where can people find you? I know we mentioned your YouTube channel. Uh, any socials or anything? Just just tell people where they can find you and listen to the, all the great information that you have. <laughs> My marketing director probably opened every single social media channel possible with the exception <laughs> of maybe TikTok. And I know she's already <laughs> thinking about it. All of them are always the same handle. Merogenomics website is merogenomics.ca. So that's M-E-R-O genomics with an S at the end.ca. The reason why I'll plug that website is because if you're thinking of DNA testing, go to the tab called procedure and you're going mm-hmm. to learn everything I believe you should learn before you ever do any DNA testing. It doesn't matter if you do DNA testing through Merogenomics, any company, any DNA testing, educate yourself first. I'm very proud of the website as an educational source. That's actually was its primary purpose. So you can learn if you're thinking about DNA testing, go there, find out what are the limitations? What are the benefits of, of different DNA testing? What should you think about that you won't think about? Right. How right. should you communicate with your family, etc. Little things like that. So it's worth checking out for sure. So that's merogenomics.ca. YouTube channel is, is probably the most popular of any of those social media mm-hmm. aspects because we at the moment we have over 100,000 subscribers. And then again, we, we are focusing predominantly right now on COVID. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, left DNA te- we left DNA testing in the dust for the moment. This is what people <laughs> want to hear. I still, I still um, am making DNA uh, testing information and mm-hmm. uh, videos, but I'm a bit nervous to post it right now, <laughs> right? Because people are so into this constant information because, mm, yeah. you know, we're pandemic is not over yet and we right. just don't know yet what's happening. I was looking through your, through your updates and the one I think that really popped was update number 15 and it had 228,000 views before that you had had some successful ones with like 10,000 and some with a couple thousand couple hundred but this one was the one if you go back and look now was the first one I think 
pretty sure that had like hundreds of thousands of views and it just how it just kind of blew up right so how did that how did that change things i was just interested to ask so actually i had one few after so i have one that hit two and a half million that yeah. one really took uh, change everything for the youtube channel it brought probably 50,000 subscribers right there. And that one was about uh, discussing the concept that there was a publication that came out, which suggested it didn't prove it. It suggested that the spike protein might be getting inside the nucleus. This still hasn't Mm -hmm. been confirmed. I did make a follow-up video showing another data that confirms that possibility, but that's not unequivocally proven yet at all. So that still is yet to be determined, but that one people were really, really curious about um, because that was actually worried from the beginning. And unfortunately, throughout the pandemic, we went through ridiculous censorship that I've never experienced in my life, not in Canada. I come from communist Poland, so I, did, so I know about censorship. <laughs> But, uh, yeah. but not in, in Canada, not in the Western world, this type of level of censorship to a point mm-hmm. that n- no opinion was, uh, c- could have been made. And yet people were curious, so they couldn't even ask questions, whether they're right. silly questions or the correct questions, wrong questions, they couldn't even ask. And, and how do you alleviate war, people's worry? It's by being able to tell them and talk to them so mm-hmm. that um, people don't have to stress about if they don't hear anything, they're just going to think of the worst, right? Yes, That's what exactly. we relapse. We always relapse to like, oh, this must have happened. You know, like we always have a tendency to relapse All the way to, to the worst the thinking. Worst thing possible. You go, well, it's not that deep. It didn't go that far. <laughs> and and exactly. It's, and it's usually it's nothing near of what you're going to be thinking, right? So that one really helped. And then a uh, number of other videos. So uh, together they snuck it up. So now we're over a hundred thousand. Yeah. yeah. I was looking through and I'm like, wow, like this one had this much. And then, yeah, you had a couple that went crazy. So um, it was great, great, great having you on. I know before I was kind of like, man, he's a scientist. I don't know. Like it may be a little over our heads, but Gans, Gans was the guy. He was like, don't worry about it. Like he's, he's great. He's funny. He'll make it easy. You make it interesting. And you did. So I'm thankful that you came on Dr. Dr. Rachek. Uh, It was awesome. And um, I mean, make sure you guys go follow uh, Genomics.ca. Of course you can follow me at underscore Tony rambles underscore on TikTok, on Instagram, you can follow The Living Numbers Podcast on YouTube. You can also find it on Apple as well as Spotify. And you can listen wherever you listen to podcasts. So it's signing off. Follow for you right Dr. now. Go, yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes, absolutely. Go check it out now. You can also check out uh, the two previous episodes with Dr. Gans and also our senior financial advisor, Charlie Fatal. Uh, Thank you guys for listening and I will see you all in the next 